It's Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim, Chet, and Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Harden effect is on full blast and it didn't take long. Flyers coming off a nice win against Washington, only to be shut out last night by Edmonton. The Major League Baseball establishment, owners and players have let the fans down, Chet, in a big, big way. The NFL Combine is underway. And tonight, Chet, we're going to disclose our list of most despised Philly athletes. Total of five each. That should be fun. Plenty to discuss. Yeah, as always, Bill. And hey, by the way, you know, I occasionally post stuff about, you know, it being national something or other day, like yesterday was National Peanut Butter Lover's Day. Well, today happens to be, I kid you not, National Old Stuff Day. So here we are, folks. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> hey, and uh, on our opening video, we have we saw Bill Chamberlain's 100 points. Today's a little anniversary of that as well. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, we're going to reflect on that 60 years ago today. Can you believe it? Uh, but, hey, we got a great guest joining us, so let's get, let's get that going, Bill. We do. We have a great guest tonight uh, for the first time since his new gig with Hockey News Now, longtime Flyers beat writer Sam Carcini. Sam, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Hey, Bill. Hi, Chet. How you doing? And just to get the name right, it's called Philly Hockey Now. So, uh, Philly Hockey Now. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully people will – Check it out, and uh, uh, been very busy with that, and it, it, it's been a, a real good gig. And the Flyers are never boring. They they don't win that much, but they're never boring. They're always doing something, <laughs> right? Yeah, you got that right. Well, Sam, as we mentioned, you do have this new gig, so a lot has changed since the last time we talked to you, right when the season was starting last fall. Uh, let's talk about your move, Philly Hockey Now. What is that all about? What are you doing for them? Yeah, I uh, I cover the Flyers same way I did for the Inquirer. I took the buyout from the Inquirer, and this opportunity uh, surprisingly, uh, I was called up and asked if I would uh, was interested in doing it. And uh, things just fell into place. We cover we're in about 15 NHL cities now, and and we do a, a great job. Kevin Allen, who uh, used to be uh, the head hockey writer for USA Today, is there now, and and a lot of other great people that. Uh, have been in newspapers all over the country. We're, we're strictly online and, uh, yeah, check it out. And, uh, um, like I said, I'm, I'm very busy. I write at least three, four stories a day. So we, we keep people up to date on the flyers and what's happening with the flyers. And, and, uh, as I said, they may not be winning, but they're never boring. They're always interesting. They're always doing something or, uh, <clears throat> for instance, today they talked about having Hayes. It looks like he's going to come back and play possibly on Saturday. And, and that raises a lot of eyebrows because as you know, this season, the rest of the season is basically useless. And uh, I don't know, it just seems like you're risking a guy who's had two surgeries uh, in less than a year. And uh, you know, he's had you know, multiple problems this year uh, staying healthy. And you just hope they're not rushing him back because they have rushed other players back this year and, and they've had recurring injuries. So, you know, we'll see. I, I just, you know, I, I can see both sides. They want Hayes to be comfortable for next year, knowing everything's okay. And uh, he's had a hip problem recently, and, and he had uh, uh, the hip drained, I'd say, about six, seven weeks ago. So they want, him, they want him to be confident going into next year. 
but there's always a risk that he could re-injure it too. So um, we'll see how that works out. Well, Sam, we talked about this on the show last week, and, and no one knows any better about it than you. Uh, should they be blowing this thing up, or should they be given a little bit of uh, leash because of all these injuries to their star players that left them, but basically only two goal scorers? Yeah, I would say, Bill, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I would mostly uh, blow it up, and I would go with youth and speed. But you have to have a couple of veterans. You can't just go with an entire 20-man roster with young guys. So I, I would add some, you know, guys that are maybe in the middle of their careers. A guy like Johnny Goudreau, who's a free agent, and he adds speed. He adds excitement. He's a scorer. They haven't had a, a true scorer in a long time. Cam Atkinson, you could say, is a, is a scorer. But, you know, he doesn't have that explosiveness of Goudreau. And ironically, they they both went to Boston College. They they just m- missed each other at Boston College because Atkinson's 32 now, and, and Johnny Goudreau, I believe, is 28, 29. But Goudreau did play with Kevin Hayes at Boston College. So, um, you know, a total rebuild, I would say close to a total rebuild is what I would do and bring some young blood in here. They, they just need speed. They need scores. Um, hopefully they can stay healthy. Wade – Wade Allison, to me, he's an important player of their future, but he's got to prove he can stay healthy. He has not been healthy uh, the last several years, actually. And it looks like he's going to get into the lineup very soon, too. So, um, you know, I would go with young players like that. But, again, sprinkle in a few of the veterans, the Atkinson, Couture, and maybe a Johnny Goudreau if you can get him in the free agent market. And, and Goudreau has said he would like to come to Philadelphia at some point in his career. He's going to sign a big contract, and this is his last big contract. To me, it's either now or never with Goudreau. If they don't sign him now, he signs somewhere for six years. Uh, why would you even want him when he's 35? So um, if Goudreau is serious about coming home, he, of course, uh, grew up in South Jersey, went to Gloucester Catholic High School uh, over in uh, Gloucester City, and uh, now is the time I think the stars are lining up uh, and for him to come from come from Calgary and end up in Philly. Hey, Bill, by the way, the uh, Philly Hockey Now website, um, there it is on our screen. Uh, It describes Sam as beat writer extraordinaire, and I agree wholeheartedly. But, uh, Sam, you mentioned mentioned injuries. (laughs) You mentioned the injuries and uh, staying healthy. Ryan Ellis, a perfect example of that. He played three games, then was out, came back, played one game, and back on the shelf again with some kind of a hip or groin injury. Uh, that was a big loss for them this year because they were counting on him to help shore up that defense. Is is he going to ever be healthy? Is he going to be back next year? Yeah, that that's the big question. I mean, uh, you know, they're uh, they're exploring other defensemen out there. Uh, Petrie from uh, from Montreal is thirty four years old, but he's on the block, and the Flyers are supposedly in talks for him. and And I think the idea is if they don't re-sign Rasmus Ristolainen and uh, the negotiations are not going well from what I'm told. Uh, they, they, you know, are considering Petrie and, and also he would be an insurance policy in case Ryan Ellis does not come back. But I, I think right now uh, they're hoping he comes back. They're also saying there's a chance he may need surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they're real quiet about the injury. It's, but you're right, Chad, it really has set them back. And uh, you know, you guys remember Kimo Timonen. He's a Kimo yeah. Timonen type player. And here's a guy who can 
really direct your offense and 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 uh, from the back end and uh, gives stability. He would really help Ivan Provorov. They only played together for four games, and I thought they had an instant chemistry. And Provorov has not had a good year, yeah. and uh, it's just it's just a shame that he has gone through the injury. And for him and the team's sake, I, I think that injury more than any injury this year really threw the whole season out of whack. And of course, the Sean Couture injury did too. And Kevin Hayes to a certain extent, but losing Ryan Ellis to me was the biggest loss of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned a lot of names in the rebuild and the keeps and goes and all that. And you didn't mention the captain. Uh, what, what do you do if you're the Flyers with Claude Giroux? Yeah, I think it, the time for both sides is to um, depart from Giroux. Uh, it would help the Flyers immensely. They should be able to get a first-round pick, uh, a good prospect, um, and maybe somebody that's an up-and-coming player on somebody's roster. This this is based on other trades of, of players that are of Claude Giroux's ilk. And it would also help Claude Giroux because he's not going to win a Stanley Cup here. They they certainly you know won't make the playoffs this year and and next year they you know unless a miracle happens I, I don't see them uh, the transformation taking them from you know a bottom five team to a Stanley Cup contender in one year so you know for his sake let him play for a team that's got a good chance whether it's Colorado or Minnesota Carolina St Louis there's some of the teams that have shown interest there are other ones too so and the and the other thing is. Maybe he gives the Flyers a discount. He's a potential unrestricted free agent. Maybe he gives them a discount and comes back here. He loves the area. And, um, you know, so it would be the best of both worlds because Giroux has, you know, has a lot left in the tank. He, you know, he played a terrific game again last night. He didn't score. Uh, the Flyers didn't score. They lost 3 nothing. But when his line was on the ice, they were buzzing. They had a lot more chances, chances, um, than, than their opponent, the Edmonton Oilers, when the Drew line was out there. So, um, you know, he's second on the team in uh, in goals, and he's uh, first in points. We're tied for first, and and uh, you know, he's he's got a lot left to give. He's 34, but uh, he's playing like he's about 30, 31. So, uh, uh, but I, I I think you have to trade him. Yeah, and he's their biggest piece. There's no question that they can get more back for him than anybody else. Yep. Uh, well, as we speak, Sam, the Flyers are, I don't know, fifth or sixth worst in the league record-wise. They'll get a high draft pick as a result. How deep is the draft, and is there a particular position the Flyers might want to target? Is it defense? Yeah, I'm told this that this draft is real heavy on defense. Shane Wright is a center. He's going to be the number one pick from, from most scouts you talk to. And uh, the Flyers right now have almost a 9% chance that doesn't sound like much to get the number one pick, but I think the top team right now is Arizona, and they only have like a 16%. So it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. And the Flyers, you know, they could still fall. They could end up having an 11% chance uh, by the end of the season. And they'll be one of the probably one of the five teams that has the best chance to win the lottery. If they do win the lottery, uh, I don't think there's any question that they would pick Shane Wright who's a center, who's like a, a Bergeron type. He's not a generational player from what I'm told. He's not a McDavid or a Crosby or somebody like that, but he's a guy that's probably going to be an NHL all-star and, and have a long, terrific career. But the defenders, uh, I'm told this is a very deep draft for defenders. So, um, And the right-handed defensemen, of course, are always 
in uh, in need, and and you know that may be the way they go. They, you know, when I talk to Brent Flair, he's the assistant general manager, and he's in charge of the draft. He says we're going to pick the best player. We're not going to go for a position. Hmm. And the bottom line is they they need help at a lot of positions. Yeah. So <laughs> so you know you can't say you're going to go for a position because you know they need a center, they need a, a left wing, right wing. They need they need a lot, and and they also need defensemen. They have. Their farm system right now is not that good, and uh, so uh, any quality prospect they get will will be a big help, I'm sure. Well, I have to ask you about Carter Hart. Um, you know, he came up with like gangbusters, played fantastic. The defense got bad; he got bad with them, I guess. Uh, they got good a little bit again, and he was okay, and now he's not so good. Uh, is is Carter Hart the guy for the long term that we thought he was going to be? Yeah, I think I think he is, Bill. He uh, he's had a really good bounce back year this year. The defense in front of him has been has been bad, and yet his numbers he had like a, an eight sixty seven save percentage last year, which is uh, you know just horrible. I mean, uh, one of the worst in the NHL. This year he's got it up to nine twelve, and uh, it would be a lot higher, as I said, if he was given a little more support down there and. In fact, I wrote a story for Philly Hockey Now today, and I talked about who would be the MVP right now. And I think Claude Giroux is the the leading candidate. But I had uh, Carter Hart as the number two guy. And if Giroux gets traded, uh, you know, some people will still probably vote for him. The Bobby Clark Award, which is given to their team MVP, uh, because of his strong season and because of his iconic play you know, over the course of his career. But I, I think Carter Hart would probably be next in line, and, and he might actually win the MVP for the Flyers this year. He, he uh, you know, he's had some a few down stretches, but for the most part, he's been very solid this year. And, and uh, yeah, I, moving forward, I think he is the guy, but they definitely need a, a, a different backup. Uh, I didn't like the Martin Jones signing when they did it. And, you know, you could see he's been, He's been on the downside of his career the last three years, and and he's been the same this year. They they need, hopefully, they get a younger goalie, and uh, you know maybe he's right here. Maybe Sandstrom is a guy. I'd like to see Sandstrom called up, Felix Sandstrom from the Phantoms, and and give him a shot as the backup this year and see what you have. And uh, there's a, a couple other guys in the system too that might get a shot. But right now, that it, uh, I, I think. Felix Sandstrom is a guy they should bring up to see what they have. I mean, it, especially after the trade deadline goes, they're trying to trade Martin Jones right now and get a draft pick, but that may be difficult because he really has not had a good year. They need a younger backup and somebody that can maybe seize the opportunity and, and maybe challenge Carter Hart because he has not been challenged at all by Martin Jones. Well, as you said, Sam, they clearly have a lot of work to do. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Hey, right now I'm going to put up a picture from four and a half years ago. Sam, this is, uh, of course, you and me. And Lou Nolan, this is when, you know, you did the book with Lou. I came out for the book signing, and it happened to be the first time that I met you, by the way. But uh, anyway, the Flyers on April 9th will be honoring Lou at their game that night as he's in his 50th year as the team's public address announcer. How long have you known Lou Nolan? What makes him, well, so damn wonderful? I mean, everybody loves Lou. Yeah, I've, I've known Lou. I've been covering the Flyers now for 14 years, so I've known him for 14 years. And, and uh, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, welcomed me with open arms. He's he's the most generous and gregarious person. Uh, you know, one of them, the nicest gentleman I've ever met. And 
I'm happy and proud to call my friend. We get together, my wife and his wife and him, and we'll go to dinner or, or uh, you know, uh, drink some wine together at his place in Ocean City or, or our place. And, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm real happy that uh, uh, and honored to call him a friend. He, he is just uh, the kindest guy. And people don't know his real job is in the financial world. And it mm-hmm. still is. He does the Flyers gig part time. He's famous for that. And uh, he's the, the last person uh, remaining from the 1967, 68 Flyers mm-hmm. who uh, the first original Flyers team. Yep. He's the yep. only one left. And he's the only one that that lasted continuously all the way through. Uh, Joe Cadillac was there for a long time. Joe Watson worked in different parts of the team as a player and in advertising. But a lot of these guys went other places uh, in the middle of their careers. Um, and uh, But Lou has been there. He worked in the PR department with Joe Cadillac when he first started in 67, 68. Did a lot of stuff with the writers in the press box and, and typed out press notes and things like that. This is before computers. And uh, in 72, that's when he got the PA job. And he, and uh, probably one of the most recognizable it is. He is has one of the most recognizable voices in Philadelphia sports history. You think of him, you think of Dave Zinkoff, you know, Harry Callas, Bill Campbell. I could go on and on. And by the way, you showed that clip of, of Will Chamberlain. I, I had the pleasure and the honor to do a book with Bill Campbell years ago. Yeah. Bill broadcast the game, of course, in Hershey when Will scored the 100. And he said it was funny. Uh, a little side note, getting sidetracked from from hockey, but he said after the game, Wilt got into a car with some of the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. to New York to party with some of the Knicks because he was friends, that. friends with some of the Knicks. Yeah. So uh, just a little tidbit there, but uh, um, yeah, that was of course one of the most amazing uh, feats in, in Philadelphia sports history, the hundred point night. But but getting back to Lou, you know Lou and Bill Camel and and uh, Dave Zinkoff. I mean, they are just uh, epic people iconic people in in the sports world and uh and just great great human beings as well i can't can't say enough uh about lou and and of course the late bill campbell another great book by the way sam oh thank you thank you we had a great time great time doing had that for years appreciate that bill yep all right uh sam we want before we let you go because we're out of time already we want you to run out let the people know uh where they can follow you now what all you have going on in social media and check on your flyer stuff yeah you just go to our website uh you, you see it up there phillyhockeynail.com and uh um yeah we're we're gaining momentum we're getting uh uh more and more people following following us most of the stories, I'd say 75 to 80% of the stories are free. Uh, we have some bonus stories on there, and it, it's uh, like $349 a month or uh, with a coupon $24.99 for a year, which which is very inexpensive when you compare it to my $300 Comcast bill. I get a ticket. <laughs> right. So, uh, but we have, you know, exclusive stuff on the flyers, and, and we're having a good time doing it. And, uh, um, so I, I appreciate you mentioning it. And you can follow me also on Broad Street Bull on Twitter. Yep. A street is just ST, Broad Street Bull. And uh, I do post all my stories on there too as well. And uh, But uh, take a look at uh, Philly Hockey Now and, and uh, send me an email, any suggestions for stories. We're, we're here for the fans. That's, that's, that's what uh, keeps us going. 
Excellent. Thanks, Sam. All right, Sam. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Bill. All right. Talk Take to care. You. Have a good night. Yep. Too. Hey, Chet. We know your couch is getting more mileage than your car because one, it's almost time for March Madness, and I know you, my friend, will be glued to the TV set. So, it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. Yeah, you got that right, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile car insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that is our pal Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700, 610-430-0700, and start to save more money now that you are driving less. And, Bill, I think i got to have a little Willie Nile right Hey, everybody, it's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Willie. Well, hey, Chet, Sixers are taking the court here just a few minutes for game three, and we're going to call it the Harden effect. I, I like that. I saw that somewhere. I like that. Uh, first two have been pretty incredible performances. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 16 assists, threw in five steals just for fun. Um, all the while, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey both increased their point totals. I know you're chomping at the bit for tonight's game. You're chomping at the bit for playoff tickets, aren't you? I'll tell you, it, it has been crazy, Bill. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better two-game debut for Harden. I know it's only been a couple of games, but we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. I know that. Um, but for a guy who's 32 and a half years old and hadn't played a game in over three weeks, wow, he was close to perfect. I mean, you gave the numbers, but even beyond that, uh, considering he only knew two or three offensive plays that the Sixers were running, he just looked incredible. And his passing was just on point. So it was easy for him to put up the numbers. He, it just looked so, you know, seamless for him. Uh, just his vision on the court, his ability as a passer, and, of course, that uh, step-back fadeaway. So, so far, so good. And, yeah, that place is probably nuts right about now down at the Wells Fargo Center. Everybody with their fake beards and the T-shirts and just craziness. So as soon as we get out of here, I'm heading home to watch the game. I'm DVRing it and going to watch the whole thing, of course. I bet you are. Um you know, interesting things that I've read, Chet, were some of his reactions or interactions, I guess is the right word, with some of the younger players uh, before he even dressed out from a yeah. leadership standpoint. Um, you know, it, it sounds like he's he's going to be the whole package, not just a great player. Yeah, before he started playing the actual games, he was over on the sidelines and just teaching Maxie and Thibel about cutting and what they needed to do. And it clearly has been paying off. So the other thing they got to do now is get Tobias Harris going. Uh, Harris looked great for much of January and February. Now the last few games uh, he has slacked off. He's been almost invisible at times and they got to figure out how to get him more involved in the offense. I mean, some nights you're going to need 20 points from him because Maxie's not going to score 20 or 22 every night. Uh, Embiid probably will. Harden probably will. But, you know, Maxi, although he's improved, he's still just a second-year player. So Tobias is a veteran. they got to get him going because you're going to need all of those guys come playoff time. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we, we I always talk about this. It's the chemistry thing. 
And, and I thought from from Harris's standpoint, uh, he let he let them play their game. He took a back seat here for the first two games. He wasn't really needed to be all that while they were. And I think, like you say, you find you find that spot. And, you know, maybe Maxie, instead of scoring 27 points himself, he scores 18. Uh, Tobias scores 18. And, we're, and you're good. And let the, the other two big guys do their thing. Meanwhile, the guy that we uh, traded to get Harden is now week to week, they say. So he might not even play. We know he's not going to play in Philly on March 10th. He might not even be in the lineup until the end of March or maybe even the first week of April. So that is typical for you-know-who, number 25. You know, you would. You would. He's not our problem. Thank no. goodness. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, you would have thought that sort of thing would have been worked out, you know, before they yeah. made this deal. that They didn't trade Harden for Kerry and – Drummond. Yeah, you're right, right. You know, I mean, they, they had to feel like he was going to be on the court. And if he wasn't going to be, the Knicks should have certainly, or the Nets, Nets. should have certainly known that. And Kevin Durant, who is going to be back in the lineup now tomorrow night, is probably ready to punch Simmons already. So Absolutely, because Durant <laughs> likes to punch everybody. So As you said, he's not our problem anymore. That's right. And One other, yeah. one other comment I have for you, NBA-related uh, – did you see the LeBron James comments? I, I wanted to see what you thought about that, where, uh, you know, they stink, and the fans in L.A. are letting them know they stink, and LeBron's not too happy about the booze and the catcalling going on out there in La La Land. Yeah, I didn't read too much into it. I did see the headlines, and I saw Shaq wasn't too happy about what's going on out there, but I, I don't care. That's that's not our problem either. We know they're not going <laughs> to be in the finals, so – I placed a little wager, by the way, on the Sixers last week to get to the finals. So they will win the East, and I put some money where my mouth is. Oh, look at you. Look at you. And hey, by the way. You feel real good. I am. And in evidence of just how excited the Sixers fan base is, ratings for last Friday's Sixers-Timberwolves game, the Harden debut, the highest for a regular season Sixers game on NBC Sports Philly, or what used to be Comcast Sports Network, since 2001. So, People are clearly excited about this. Let's see now if this year's team can get to the NBA Finals like that Iverson-led team did. Yeah, as you'll say, they had a pretty good player back there in 2001. Yeah, and now we have two good players this year. I say we. Yeah, well, the, this team. team, the talent on this team is far better than the talent oh my on the 2001 yeah. team. But yeah. Iverson, he, he was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, you, well, since we're here, you said it's March 2nd, right? It is. It, today's March 2nd. Well, yeah, let's go back 60 years. This seems like a good time to do it. 60 All years right. ago, Bill. Rogers throws one to Chamberlain. He's got it. He's trying to get up. He shoots. No good. The rebound, Luckinville. Back to Chamberlain. He shoots up. No good. In and out. The rebound, Luckinville. Back to Luckwood. In the Chamberlain. The Warriors won the game 169 to 147 for a crowd of only 4,124, although many more claim to be there. <laughs> How cool Excellent. was that, huh? Yeah, it was really cool. That was Bill Campbell, by the way, it making sure that was. call. Yeah. 
Yeah, it excellent. sure was. And Harvey Pollock, the guy who wrote out the 100 and said, hey, Will, hold this up. We'll take a picture. Yeah, yeah. and we're still looking at it 60 years later. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to ever, you know, top that, certainly. No, no. And, uh, you know, Chip, one of the coolest giveaways I think that they, I've ever seen, uh, I don't even know what year it was, when the Sixers gave out the giveaway with the piece of the hardwood floor. Yeah. I actually have a couple of those. Uh, little, little whatever they are, inch and a half by inch and a half yeah. square hardwood. And with with that holding up the 100 picture, it was celebrating. Oh, wow. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Holding up the for the 50th year, maybe is when they did it. But and it was really a piece cool. of the was a piece of the Hershey court. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's it, it was actually glued onto a little uh, a little bigger than a postcard, maybe. Did you get oh, them? Yeah. Huh? Of course you did, absolutely, Mr. Collector. Of course you did. Yes, absolutely. I think that might too. Anyway, good stuff. All right. Uh, speaking of, we're done with the good stuff. Let's get to the other stuff. Oh. Uh, uh, it was all said and done. Major League Baseball, Chet, the Owners Players Association, they couldn't come to an agreement. They canceled opening day. They now canceled the opening week. Uh, two series. What a disappointment for the fans. Um, I'm just, I'm just bummed about the whole thing. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> it's sad. The whole baseball right. situation. There it is, Mister Sad Baseball, right there. You know. Don't they read the the room? You know, don't they see what they're doing and how upset people are? I know that, you know, each side wants to win. But meanwhile, everybody else is losing and they're going to keep losing more and more people, just like they did in, you know, 1994, 95, when it took the steroid induced home run battle to win people back a couple of years later. So they're just going to kill themselves by doing this. And, you know, if they hold out or keep this going more than, you know, another week or so, it's going to be bad. Yeah. And I saw two quotes today. Um, one from Mike Trout, one from Aaron judge. And I don't know who wrote the quotes for him uh, because both of them basically said the same thing that we're doing this for the next generation, you know, uh, for yeah. the kids, we're doing this for the kids. Well, I have a little beef with that. And and I and I'm not I'm not taking a side because I certainly don't know I'm blaming them all, um, but what the players' association asked for was a seven hundred seventy five thousand seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand minimum salary for rookies, with thirty thousand dollar increases for the first four years. So, Joe Lunchbucket trying to bring his family is going to you know. Pay, pay to watch 22-year-old rookies make three-quarters of a million dollars that you'll never make in your whole life, uh, it, it's troubling to me. Yeah. They're out I mean, of reality. They're, they're just well, out of reality. Yeah, but the thing is, the average salary has actually gone down a bit over the past four years. We see the, you know, the Harper numbers and the Max Scherzer numbers and all these other huge contracts, uh, but – Still, the guys at the low end of the totem pole are the guys making, you know, a half million, 750,000, and which is not bad. Don't get me wrong. That's not bad at all. But, you know, sometimes your career is only going to be two or three or four years. And so what the players want is for them to get a better starting salary at the very least. So they'll have more money, at least, you know, for the time that they are in the game. I mean, I'm not going to feel sorry for them. I'm not going to feel sorry for the owners, certainly. I just want them to resolve this. You know, right. they waited till 
10 days ago to really start talking. The lockout began December 1st. That's ridiculous. Like they were just going to suddenly meet and resolve this in a couple of days. They knew that wasn't going to happen. And now here they are. They, you know, worked late into the night Monday. Then they had the five o'clock Tuesday deadline. And now they took today off. They may or may not resume tomorrow. You got to do this round the clock. Do whatever it takes to get this resolved because every day you're going to lose another fan. We see people on Facebook saying they're canceling their MLB package. They're not going to games even if they do solve things. So they got to realize this is going on. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, they they just lost lost touch with reality. And you know, uh, it, it's the fans that they pay for it. And in, and probably, you know, it's all it's all well and good when you're making a million dollars. You can say, well, I care about the fans. You care about making your million million dollars. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Fans might be somewhere on your list. It's not above you getting paid. So the first two series have been wiped out. And as it stands now, the Phillies opening day will be April 8th, which is their season opener and their home opener now, unless more games get canceled. So come on, guys, get together, solve this thing, will you? Get it done. I'm with you. Well, you can always go to Lehigh Valley or to uh, Reading or there's still uh, Lakewood still as a team, right? Yeah, yeah. The minor leagues are going to be playing. Uh, otherwise, you know, we have this Major League Baseball sadness. And uh, it's not good. I don't like it. No, I don't like it a bit. All right, Chet, let's move on. Let's give a shout-out to all of our shows over at the live uh, – that will be live on the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. We actually added one. So, yeah, Monday – where do we keep at? Monday, Broad Street Bully Podcast. Monday, Mailbag with Joey Sharon. Joey, Joey gets after it. It's fun stuff. Tuesday, Talking Philly Sports with Maddie B., of course, you have us on early Wednesday, 7 o'clock, in Philly Press Box Radio. Wednesday night at 9.30 after us, you have Sixers post game tonight. They're doing something a little bit different. Big Al and Joe will be on, and uh, they'll be on right after the Sixers and talking a lot about the ball game. Thursday, we got a new one, Get Processed. Check that out. It's all Sixers talk Thursday night. That's filling in for the bird's IQ, obviously, that's not on in the offseason. So, Get processed. New show, Sixers Talk, Thursday, 7 p.m. Friday's podcast will be free agency breakdown. That'll be interesting as well. And Saturday, breakfast with the boys, the Patterson Avenue Fanatics. TK and the gang get after it, so get your coffee and maybe a donut and uh, check them guys out. They're all good. Don't forget, sign up for the podcast by going to EOP or for the newsletter by going to EOP Sports. Dot com and it'll be in your mailbox on Fridays, probably by about 10 o'clock. Speaking of Check mailbox, you know, I, I listened to uh, a couple of Joey's Monday mailbag. He does a great job with that. He can just sit there and ramble for 20, 25 minutes about the entire Philly sports scene. And uh, he does a great job with that. So and he does it with Joey. passion. He oh, man, he sure does. Passion. <laughs> a, guy for sure. a lot of passion from Joey. That's right. Uh, give us an update on Fred. We got we got some information on Freddie Burns. Yeah, we hope uh, a lot of you will be able to come out and join us. It is Saturday, March 26th. We're doing this uh, benefit event at the Red Lantern Tavern in Glen Olden or Folcroft, if you wish. Uh, Fighting Freddie is what it's called. Freddie Strong fundraiser for the Burns family as they you know deal with all the medical bills and everything for Freddie the Fourth. So. 
we're hoping that all is going well with his treatments and we want you to come out and help support this great event great cause freddie's a wonderful guy i heard from him as a matter of fact yesterday so uh he's hanging in there everybody's doing as well as possible and we want to see you Saturday, the 26th, from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Red Lantern Tavern. It's going to be fun. There will be raffles and, you know, things to bid on. And it's going to be great. So we look forward yeah, to and it. And we have a question pop up here from Joe Howe. Do you need tickets for that? That is no. That is no. There is there is an outside uh, patio as well uh, as the, the bar area inside. So uh, I think the more, the merrier, the better fundraiser it can be uh is all good and if we'll we'll talk with the guys and see if the if that if i'm wrong on that but i'm almost certain that there is no limit unless we hit the fire marshal limit or something yeah so yeah we, we hope to see you all march 26th that's right and also chad i want to give a shout out to one of our loyal followers been with us since the start fester talamani fester's uh delaware county guy from clifton heights uh Getting ready to have major surgery on March the 7th. We want Fester to know that all of us here at Philly Press Box Radio have him in our thoughts and prayers. It's a uh, it's a major event, and uh, we, we certainly hope the best for Fester. If you guys see him on Facebook or are friends with him on Facebook, give him a shout-out. Super good guy and, uh, and a good friend to Philly Press Box Radio. All the best, Fester. That's right. Well, Chet, uh, we teased last week that we – we would be naming our five most despised Philly athletes. And now is the time to do that. Uh, so for our viewers that are, that are watching live, feel free to throw your comments up. Uh, we want to see them. Uh, and Chet, to make it a little more interesting, what we'll do is we'll go five to one. We'll actually have to number these. Go five to one. You go, I'll go, you go, I'll go. And we'll get down to number one. So Let me uh, preface all this, Bill. Uh, I'm going to – you know, tell you something that I wrote down about 45 seconds worth here. I want to say, first of all, there are a bunch of guys, Philly sports fans disliked simply because they didn't work out the way they or the team had hoped. Many of the Eagles, such as Danny Watkins, Jerome McDougal, John Harris, Marcus Smith, even Sam Bradford and Namdi Asamoah. Uh, same with the Phillies acquisitions. Oh, I forgot about Namdi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he I, spent I two years like there. So he, he might be on somebody's list. Uh Phillies, Lance Parrish, that didn't work out so well. Freddie Garcia, the pitcher, what a bust he was. Adam Eaton. Uh, Eaton was dreadful in 2008, but yet he still showed up in 2009 to get his World Series ring and got roundly booed for that. That was kind of cool, actually. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't put the Sixers' number one draft pick, Markel Fultz, on my list, but I very well could have. Fans ultimately didn't love Sean Bradley, but he's not in my top five either, nor is Andre Iguodala, who became another whipping post or whipping boy for the fans. Um, by the way, former Eagle Mike Mamula was disliked by a lot of fans, but he's not on my list. I mean, it's not his fault that the Eagles overdrafted him at number seven overall in 1995. Almost making my list, but I couldn't squeeze him in, DeMarco Murray, because he sucked as an Eagle and he was a former Cowboy. So He almost made my list, too. Yeah, so some of the guys I thought of, my buddy PJ uh, mentioned Scott Rowland. He's another guy uh, who fans kind of soured on because simply he wanted out of Philly and wasn't the nicest guy, it seemed. So are we ready? (laughs) It wasn't Andre Iguodala's fault that we traded him and he won about a half a dozen rings either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he became a pretty important player, uh, ultimately, you know, winning a couple titles with Golden State. Yes, he did. 
All right. Well, now we got we cleared a lot off the board there. Um, and I forgot about Nomni. I, I despised him. So none of those guys were on your list, top five, right? No. Wow. No. And I thought about a handful of them, but no. Yeah. So go Me ahead. Too. Throw your number five up there. All right. My number five most despised Philadelphia athlete got to be Flyers goalie Ilya Brizgalov. He was a high-priced free agent acquisition, and his numbers as a flyer actually weren't bad in his two seasons here. 52, 33, and 10, and a goals against average around 2.6. Yeah, we'd take that, but he was just such a weird dude who a lot of times said things that ticked people off and a guy that most fans never really took to. So number five for me, Ilya Brizgalov. All right. Number five for me is... uh... My list is made of thieves, pretty much made of thieves. Okay. People that came here and just stole money from Philadelphia. And Danny Tartable. You remember Danny Tartable, Chad? I do. I thought about him, but he got hurt in, what, his first game? He had, like, two at-bats? Well, we signed him. Well, we he played in three games. He had seven at-bats. He had zero <laughs> hits. We yeah. signed him for $2 million in 1997, which was a lot of money back in sure. 1997. Three games, seven at-bats, zero hits. And then he didn't want to play anymore. That was it. End of the career. We wasted $2 million. Could have thrown it at the Delaware River. Yeah, I did think about him. Didn't put him on my list. But Danny Tarble, okay, I get it. Number four, here we go. Uh, This is going to be a controversial one because I loved this guy as a player. But after one great season with the Eagles, in which he came back from a bad injury to play in the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots, played very well, as a matter of fact, Terrell Owens. He had that one great season, but he had inked a seven-year deal with the Eagles Then wanted to renegotiate his contract. And in the process, you know, feuding with the team, he ended up screwing up the entire Eagles 2005 season. So I'm sorry, T.O., but you're number four on my list. All right. Number four on my list, and I will say his name today only for this purpose, is that Andrew Bynum. What a bum. And I don't say that about many. This guy was number one on my list for a long time, and I didn't think anybody was ever going to get to move him off the list. The biggest thief jet to ever set foot in the city of Philadelphia. He was part of a four-way trade, matter of fact, uh, that involved Andre Iguodala. Uh, But he never played a minute for the Sixers at a salary of $16.9 million. Never stepped on the court. As it turns out, Bill, number three on my list is Andrew Bynum. Yeah, to refresh your memory, in the summer of 2012, the uh, Sixers traded for him. He was a pretty good player at the time when healthy. But they did, as you said, give up Andre Iguodala. I think he went to the Nuggets. And a young big guy named Nick Vucevic, who is still in the league today and was pretty darn good for a lot of years. And I didn't want to see him go. He left. We got Bynum. And as you said, never played. He never got himself uh, so healthy enough to play for the Sixers, and he actually actually re-injured his knee while bowling. Plus, he had the weird hair going on some of the time. Andrew Bynum, number three on my list, Bill. Uh, and that's where he belongs. <laughs> All right, number three on my list. You're going to surprise. You'll be surprised at this one, Chet. How about Chip Kelly? Well, see, I didn't consider players or coaches, or he would have certainly been there. He is on my list. Fortunately, uh, he made things so bad that even Jeffrey Lurie could see him. 
Oh, yeah. They finally decided to cut bait with the bum. Uh, you know, he he tried to dismantle the team and tried to dismantle the inside of the organization as well with his with his attitude and pompous behind. Uh, he was 26 and 21 uh, using Andy Reid's guys, but uh, he's a clown. He was a clown going in the wrong direction, taking that organization in the wrong direction. Yeah, fortunately, we were... fortunately, Laurie cut him loose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if I were to include coaches or owners for that matter, Chip Kelly would be on the list, and so would Norman Brayman. But anyway, Chip Kelly. Hey, let me three. jump in right quick because yeah. uh, Joe Joe House said good pick with Kelly, but Robbie put one in there. Maybe you, I don't want to steal your thunder, uh, but Robbie put one in there. Yeah, Ryan Sandberg. I've forgotten about Ryan Sandberg. Oh man, what a bad managerial choice that turned out to be. I mean, great player, certainly Hall of Fame player, but as a manager, he stunk. He had the personality of a chair. He was just god-awful as Philly's manager. So, yeah, Ryan Sandberg, good one. All right, number two on my list. Like Andrew Bynum, a guy who never got to play a game for the Philadelphia team that wanted him. In this case, the Phillies. They drafted J.D. Drew second overall in the 1998 MLB draft, even though he said he wouldn't play for them unless they gave him like $10 million and they weren't prepared to offer him more than $3 million. I think they offered him like $2.6 million or something. Maybe the Phillies were, were you know, dumb for doing that, but uh, J.D. Drew, he's number two on my list. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, number two on my list, Jed, is, uh, and I'm not saying his name, Number 25 makes the second spot on my list. That probably surprises you that yes. he's not first. Uh, he's second, but uh, he's a current event, you know. Number 25 of your program and no name to come out of this mouth. Everything you don't want on your team. You know, I said many times uh, he was a nightly triple-double machine waiting to happen. Thought he was going to be really something and then whatever happened to, for him to go off the rails, he became uncoachable, became an awful teammate. Uh, God, good, good riddance, 25. Yeah, he's actually number one on my list. I thought he'd be number one on everybody's despised list. And, you know, we've talked enough about him over the last several months to know why he's so despised. So Ben Simmons is number one, and he's one of the few guys – ever that I hope fails in his uh, next spot. Uh, I hope he's okay, you know, mentally, but I hope he just fails on the court and is a total bust for the Nets. So get out of here, Ben. Yeah, good riddance. Well, that brings me to my number one. And I'm curious. Uh, I, I thought that this would surprise you, um, but you surprised me. My number one is Terrell Owens. Huh. Terrell Owens, Hall of Famer, he single-handedly destroyed a team by dividing the locker room, Chet. Yep. Even Andy Reid couldn't save that locker room. And he is the ultimate, they say, the ultimate player's coach. I don't know if Owens was at fault. I don't know if McNabb was at fault. All I know is it split the locker room. And when Owens started his charade, uh, you know, in his driveway and everything else he could to destroy that franchise, again, another guy who is – everything you don't want on your team. Uh, we know he can play. He's a Hall of Famer, but he was just a bad teammate. And the reason that he was number one over number 25, at least in number 25's case, everybody was over on one side. He was on the other. In the case of Owens, 
it was split down the middle and yeah. it destroyed the team. And that's sure why did. he gets the nod for me as my number one guy. All right. So good list, I think, from both of us. Uh, we had uh, a couple of, you know, do-over, not do-overs, but uh, overlaps as to be yeah. expected. But good list. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you what we'll do, Chet, just for fun. Since, uh, well, I don't know who the, the guests are coming up in the next couple of weeks yet because you haven't shared me with shared that with me yet. But uh, maybe we'll we'll come up with a list, a short list of our opponents, our visitors, despised hmm. visitors. Hmm. That would be fun, right. too. Uh, our buddy Joe mentions another one. Jonathan Papelbon. A lot of guys uh, hated him at the end. He was a great save. He had oh, he a zillion was. saves. Zillion he saves. sure did, yeah. I like him. All right, good stuff. Uh, great guest tonight in Sam Carcini, Chet. So who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Tell me, tell me. Well, let's see. Let's see if I have a picture of this uh, person for next week. I'm a little uh, messed up here. Oh, gosh. Very, very, very. Push that button a little harder. There you go. Okay, next week, Bill, we will have a visit from a guy that we haven't talked to since early last year. It was right before the Super Bowl last year. I have seen him out in public, though, a couple of times recently here at events in 2022. He is this guy. You know him from WIP. He's a former Inquirer sports writer. Uh, must listen to radio every Saturday. He and Ray Diddy. And that, of course, is Glenn Mack now. And another reason that I like him, he is a craft brewery owner. So, yeah, Glenn Mack now going to be joining us next week. Always good to talk to the prof. Yes, yes, absolutely. Looking forward to that as well. He might be able to add to our list. He's a list guy. Oh, he's a big list guy. I think they've talked about that same kind of stuff. Uh, Most hated in Philly and most hated uh, outsiders. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Wait, Jen, NFL Combine is underway in Indianapolis. Uh are you a combine TV junkie like a lot of people, or could you care less about it? Kind of like the USFL. Uh, yeah, the latter. I pay almost no attention to it, Bill. So I know a lot of people are diehards. They they love love to follow what's going on at the combine. They love to do all the mock draft stuff. I did listen on the radio today to uh, Coach Sirianni and Howie Roseman talking about things. That was interesting. But as far as you know, what the guys are doing down at the combine, otherwise, I could care less. Yeah. Me too, but uh, I'm really excited uh, to find out, Chet, because my son uh, is there at the Combine. He's working, and I won't say what he's doing or who he's there with, but he's working the Combine, and he says it's a pretty amazing setup. So I only got to talk to him for – actually text with him for just a second today because he was working, but when I talk to him, I get more information about the whole process. I'm sure that's – that's really what it's going to be about, and uh, it'll be interesting to to find out a little more from from actually being there. Yeah, absolutely, and it helps uh, the teams, you know, get set up for uh, their other offseason plans because they got free agency to deal with mid-month, and then, of course, the NFL draft at the end of April. So they're down there scouting these guys who are at the Combine and, you know, finding out whether they might be right for their team or not. Last year, of course, Nick Sirianni did the rock-paper-scissors thing with guys. This year he has them shooting – uh, hoops like they shoot like five shots or something and just to see what their competitiveness is i guess good old nick <laughs> mm, there you go okay all right uh one final topic i want to throw at you Jet. this was actually kind of a serious one um but i've been thinking about this to begin with and now i think about, i'm thinking about it even more 
Um, the Olympics came and went, you know, I'm, I like the Olympics and I like to follow the Olympics. And without getting into the politics part of the Olympics, many people opted not to watch the Olympics. Uh, one, because they were in China. And two, because they were on NBC, who people don't like NBC anymore. None of that is the fault of the athletes who are, you know, they worked their whole life for this moment. Uh, now we have this last thing happening in the last couple of days. Uh, it's a war. And uh, now we are no longer going to let Alexander Ovechkin advertise hockey jerseys and things like that. Um, what, what's your thought on pouring the athletes and athletics into off the athletic field and into the, I'll call it the media or the politics without getting into the politics? Uh, it's tough. Uh, as far as the Olympics, first of all, I didn't watch much of them just because I wasn't interested in most of the events. Uh, at my radio job, all during the Olympics, they had one of the NBC stations on. I don't know if it was MSNBC or what, but every time I looked up, there was curling on the TV, and I just could not get into it. As far as uh, now, like with the Ovechkin stuff, I, I kind of feel badly for him because he's in a tough spot. You know, he's from Russia. I don't think he supports what they're doing, but at the same time, he can't criticize it too loudly because he's still got family over there and, you know, he fears for them. So it, it puts the athletes themselves in a tough spot. And so I do feel badly for them in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, in the, I mean, I guess that is the real world, but they shouldn't even be asking him about that. He's got no control over that. And, uh, you know, I also, I guess FIFA's throwing them out of the World Cup. Uh, Wayne Gretzky has said they need to not let Russia compete in the Canada Cup. Um, you know, I get it. You know, I get it that you that Russia is bad. Um, but, but why is it these guys' problem? They're, they're yeah, hockey players. It, should, it shouldn't Ovechkin, be. Ovechkin's been in Washington for 15 years or whatever it's been. Um so yeah, I, I just find the whole thing interesting, and, and it started with the with the the Olympics for me because so many people who are sports fans said I'm, I'm not watching. Well, it didn't make those Americans work any harder or any less. They've been working at that their whole life to for their moment, and then people let outside influences take them over. It, it really kind of bugged me. And by the way, Olympics ratings were down forty to forty two percent from the last Winter Games this year. Yeah, and it had nothing to do with the athletes, right? I mean, it's whatever people's thought process was had nothing to do with the, you know, the downhill skier. Yeah, it had to do with the fact that it was in China. And I think the fact that we just had Olympics last year that were postponed from 2020, even though they were the summer games. So yeah. a lot of people yeah. say, hey, I'm not ready for it again. Yeah. All right. Enough hey, Bill, one, uh, one yeah. other thing. Uh, I wanted to mention Philly sports trips because they got a lot going on. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any spring training games, but they do still have a trip down to Orlando coming up because uh, there's a Sixers game down there. And there's also the L.A. basketball trip later in March where you can see both the Clippers and Lakers 76ers games. They got uh, a trip to Nashville to see the Flyers. Yeah, the Flyers may suck right now, but Nashville's always fun. And then there's an NFL draft trip. And as we mentioned last week, there will be a trip out to Canton and Cleveland for the Hall of Fame inductions of Dick Vermeil and Sam Mills 
in early August. So phillysportstrips.com is where you get all that information. All right. Good deal. Uh, let's take another quick break and thank our friends over to PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line razzes and greater odds of winning. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Chip, that gets us to a parting shot. Do you still have one or was Will Chamberlain your parting shot? I don't really have an official parting shot, but I do want to say happy 60th birthday to John Bon Jovi from Sayreville, New Jersey. Yeah, I thought you were going to sing to him. No, but isn't it weird that he was born on Wilt Chamberlain's, uh, you know, big night 60 years ago? How about that? I and, guess his parents probably weren't listening to the game. <laughs> probably not. And one other thing, Bill, uh, I mentioned that it was 45 years ago last week that the great hockey movie Slapshot came out. And not a lot of people know this, Bill, but I was actually a stuntman <laughs> for those wonderful handsome brothers. And here we are reuniting 10 years ago in Cherry Hill. Okay, the stuntman part of that might not be true, but uh, there they are, the Hanson brothers and me. The one guy let me uh, borrow his glasses, and that was a whole lot of fun. I rewatched that movie, by the way, last fall, and it still holds up. Slapshot. See you, Still great. Still a great movie all the time. You know, they're out on the autograph trail a lot. No, and they were great. I'm not an autograph guy. I just wanted to get a picture with them, and I did, and it was no charge. And how often do you see that? Yep, yep. No, they're they're good, that's for sure. Yeah. All wrap right. it up, Bill. Let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Sam Carcitti, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's Like Your PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March 9th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on all the podcast stations, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, and all the others. So with that, Chet, high hopes Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go Sixers. Sixers.